Good morning and welcome to the Locked On Grizzlies podcast. My name is Sean Coleman. It's a pleasure to be with you as always once again here on the Locked On Grizzlies podcast and on the Locked On Grizzlies YouTube channel. The Grizzlies get another victory, another entire team effort. Stephen Adams stood out. Desmond Bain, DeAnthony Melton, Jaw obviously being in great form as well. We'll talk about that plus how this certainly could be a sustaining year for Dylan Brooks off the great year that he had last year, a year in which he'll play a big role once again. Here we go with the Locked On Grizzlies podcast. You are Locked On Grizzlies, your daily Memphis Grizzlies podcast, part of the Locked On Podcast Network, your team every day. So another really exciting night for the Grizzlies, not only in terms of how well they played, but also the matchup that they were going in with. We got to see LaMelo and John, though it was only mostly for one half due to the fact that the Grizzlies had a 30-point halftime lead. It was still very fun to watch two of the special talents, the special young talents in the NBA sharing the court at the same time. I want to remind you, you can find the show at Locked on Grizz. Myself at Stats SAC right here. You can find the podcast wherever it's available, Spotify, Stitcher, Apple Podcasts, Google Podcasts, The Odyssey app. My name is Sean Coleman. I'm a credentialed media member with the Grizzlies, have been covering the Grizzlies, coming up on my fourth year now through Grizzly Bear Blues. Great crew over there. Always love enjoying, you know, breaking down the games with them. And also here, your host, your Grizzlies every day here at Locked on Grizzlies. We also want to remind you to listen, subscribe, review. Let us know what you think of the podcast. Oh, via Apple Podcasts, Google Podcasts, again, wherever you want to listen. But now, obviously, here on YouTube as well, make sure to hit that subscribe button. Leave comments. Let us know what you think of the show. You subscribing lets us know you like the show. Let's others be able to find the show and makes the show as good as possible for all those to enjoy. So last night, a 128-98 victory for the Grizzlies. And though the Grizzlies have actually only played seven quarters so far through two preseason games. They've outscored their opponents now by 40 points. That's right, 40 points via seven quarters in preseason games. And the and the starting lineup was absolutely in chemistry, in flow, playing well on both ends of the ball. But really who stood out yesterday was Steven Adams. I talked a bit about it after the first preseason game. One of the things that stood out was that it seemed like Steven Adams was grabbing every other rebound, literally, when he was on the court, as well as his playmaking ability. Both those things stood out, and they did again last night. 10 points, 16 rebounds, I want to say eight offensive rebounds, and three assists. And I talked with Taylor Jenkins, coach of the Grizzlies, before the game. I asked him about Steven Adams' playmaking ability. What was it about what they saw in the film or what they saw when they brought him in and were looking to make the most of his skills, to make his strengths acclimate to what the Grizzlies were looking to do on offense. And, and, and Coach Sheenkin said, we dived into the film. Um, Darko Rajakovich, who coached the Grizzlies during their summer league, actually was a coach of Stephen Adams in Oklahoma City. And that's something that Coach Rajakovich mentioned to Coach Jenkins. Look at Stephen Adams' playmaking ability. There is plenty of opportunity to tap into here to create another facet to this offense. For the Grizzlies, it would be adding a cutting aspect through Stephen Adams' facilitation to the offense, as well as his ability to find catch-and-shoot opportunities for three-point shooters. Using him as kind of a checkpoint or a hub, if you will, for facilitation could be a nice 
change of pace, a nice counter perhaps, a nice, you know, uh, uh, alternate idea that would have to throw defenses off or keep them honest in the Grizzlies' half-court set. And there's never anything wrong with adding depth that you can rely on to the half-court offense. So Steven Adams' ability to pass, obviously his rebounding ability, and just the physical aspect of things. I know that Charlotte was playing without a center, and I know that center certainly is something that Charlotte is a work in progress. It's a position that's a work in progress for the Hornets. But Steven Adams just absolutely was a man down low. There was nobody who was going to be able to contain him, and that could happen several times this season, and it's going to be a big advantage for the Grizzlies. Of course, another thing that stood out, the continued hot shooting from DeAnthony Melton as well as Desmond Bain. Now 12 of 20 from the field when it comes to, or 12 or 20 from three, when it comes to the first seven quarters of this season. And the thing that stands out to me is this. I really do think DeAnthony Melton shooting is something that can be sustained. I don't necessarily think, like I say, that he should be a guy who's, you know, leading the team in three-point shots. I think that that's, again, Jaron or Desmond Bain. But I do think that as a complimentary shooter to go along with his defense, DeAnthony Melton shooting is something that you can start to have confidence in being sustainable. I don't know if he's going to shoot 40 or if he's going to shoot 40% plus from three on three or four attempts from three again like he did last year, but I think he'll be close, and that always is a good thing. That's another development for the Grizzlies that once again supports this being the deepest shooting roster ever that the Grizzlies have had. But to go along with Jaws play and to go along with Stephen Adams, to go along with all the players that played well, including the bench, the other thing that really stands out to me is this. There's plenty of positivity that's coming from the Grizzlies start to the preseason. That's a big thing. And Coach Jenkins talked about that a little bit. It's nice to see these starts. It's nice to see the hot starts, but Coach Jenkins, you know, said that's not really the emphasis. The emphasis is to really build off the chemistry, build off playing well, getting better each preseason game, improving in the consistency and overall effectiveness. And the reason why I mentioned that is because with as much positivity as go is going on right now, and you certainly hope that it continues this weekend against Atlanta and then Detroit um, coming up on Monday. The thing about it is this, is that as much as this positivity builds up, yes, it's definitely a good thing. You want the Grizzlies going into the start of the season as playing as well as possible and playing as hot as possible. But the Grizzlies have a very tough start to the season, especially going up against four very good Western Conference teams on a road on a West Coast road trip in games two through five. I bring that up because there's a very good chance that the Grizzlies are going to run into some adversity during that road trip. They're going to run into tough times. They're going to be playing more talented teams, so they're going to run into limitations or they're going to run into stretches where they're not going to play as free-flowing or as effective basketball. But that's the point of this positive aspect of the preseason. Positivity builds up confidence. Repetitions builds up precision. The ability for the Grizzlies to continue shooting the three like they have. The ability for Steven Adams to continue to facilitate like he has. For the ability for these players to gain confidence in each other and playing off each other. Of Jaron Jackson Jr. getting back into the flow of a healthy version of himself. All those things are very important. Yes, they're positive, but they build up, build up confidence. Because the Grizzlies are going to eventually run into adversity. They're a young team with new players in place looking to change their offense a bit to start to feature shooting from distance more often. The Grizzlies over the past two years have done a great job embracing their strengths. This year on offense, they're looking to turn areas that have been a work in progress into strengths, and that's going to take growing pains, especially against 
good competition. So this positivity that's being built up, it builds confidence, but not only to execute, but also part part of being consistent at, at you know, allowing for shooting from distance to become a consistent part of the Grizzlies offense. Part of it is repetitions. Part of it is building positivity through the frequency of shooting those shots, through the frequency of running the offense through Stephen Adams at times, through the frequency of showing different looks to the defense. Positivity builds through repetitions, but it also builds through growing pains. And as the Grizzlies build up the positive results this preseason, they build up more and more reps shooting from distance or you know executing different parts of the offense. It's going to make it easier for when they do run into that adversity, which they probably will to start the season, it's going to make it easier for them to revert to what works. And those growing pains, along with the positivity that's being created right now, both those come together as being important parts to make the Grizzlies, earlier than many might expect, more consistent on offense. So that's another thing that really stands out to me. It's going to be hard to expect for the Grizzlies to take the success that they're having right now in the preseason and have that just flow right into the regular season. It, you would love to see it happen. And I don't mean to be a Debbie Downer or a negative Nate. Maybe go with being an honest Harvey or, or, or a realistic Ralph, if you will. My po overall point is this, is that as the Grizzlies build up playing great in the preseason and they built up, build up this confidence, the two things that occur if they do run into some tough times to start the season is they're going to have the confidence to get through it, but also they're going to be able to endure the growing pains, revert back to what works, and all that adds together for this Grizzlies team to start to get consistent and then as we work our way into November and we work our way into December, regardless of who we're playing, we're going to have the confidence that we're going to be able to find success through the way that the Grizzlies want to play basketball. So a lot of positivity building for this Grizzlies team, especially with new players like Steven Adams on the team and new players in featured role like the Anthony Melton and Desmond Bang. But of course, one big thing that also will be awaiting the Grizzlies in the regular season that they don't have right now is the return of Dylan Brooks. And I'm going to highlight while why his offensive role, though it may take a bit of a step back in terms of usage, it could take two or three steps forward in terms of effectiveness. Thinking about it is this, is regardless if it's new players in the Grizzlies, new players in featured roles, or potentially players getting better, the Grizzlies could be one of the better sources of value when it comes to fantasy basketball this year. And I'll tell you a valuable place for you to be able to play fantasy basketball. That is the Sleeper app. In 2018, the sleeper, the folks at Sleeper figured out that bat fantasy basketball was broken. Too many players were ending their seasons early because matchups were determined by which teams had more players playing, you know, unfair advantages going on. Well, Sleeper decided to create game picks, which means that each lineup will only be able to count one game for each starter. Brings strategy back into the equation, allows for things to be fair, keeps folks engaged the entire year. So if you're already enjoying fantasy football and Sleeper, make sure you check out fantasy basketball this year. I've done it already. It's a great experience doing it again this year. Make sure you check out fantasy basketball on Sleeper today. Of course, we want to thank you for making Locked On Grizzlies your first listen of the day, but the Locked On Podcast Network has a variety of different options for you to enjoy when it comes to your second listen. The Locked On NBA podcast recaps what's going on around the NBA with Nick Angstad and Adam Marison. On today's Locked On NBA podcast, I highly suggest that you listen as they discuss the Grizzlies prospects for this year. And also make sure you check out the Locked On Bets podcast with your boy Q and Lee Sterling 
giving you the latest information on the best bets of the day. Check out all the great action in your second listen of the day. A variety of different listens here on the Locked On Podcast Network after you make Locked On Grizzlies your first listen of the day. So obviously, the preseason is going very well for the Grizzlies, and we hope that continues tomorrow night against Atlanta as well as getting into Monday night against Detroit. But the one thing that does stand out is that Dylan Brooks has not played this preseason, and there may be a chance he won't play until the very end or at all. And the reason why is this. Obviously, it's suggested that he has leg soreness, but the Grizzlies are also being as cautious as possible, letting Dylan work his way back from a wrist injury that he suffered over the summer. Now, Zach Kleiman, Taylor Jenkins, Dylan himself have all stated that the injury is nothing to worry about. It's 100%. They're just being cautious, which they have every reason to be. But the big thing that stands out about Dylan Brooks is that the version of Dylan Brooks that we saw last year, there were several different versions of him. You know, we go back more than a year ago. We go back to a bu- the bubble, and Dylan Brooks was kind of at a crossroads. You know, what version of Dylan were we going to get? Were we going to get you know the good, bad Dylan that we saw in the bubble, the Dylan that could certainly be an asset against any team in the league to help the Grizzlies win, or the Dylan that could really be a detriment because of ineffective decision-making? Well, Dylan Brooks embraced that. Dylan Brooks found out that you know he really needed to define who he was as a player. And besides the offensive part of Dylan's game being the more polarizing, more discussed aspect of Dylan's overall ability on the court, it was the defense that Dylan focused on. He mentioned it before last season. He wanted to be in the conversation for an all-NBA defensive team selection. And though that did not wind up being the result, he wound up getting votes. And the reason why that is, is because Dylan Brooks was the biggest reason why out of nowhere, this Grizzlies defense was a top 10 defense last year. Now, what had made the Grizzlies defense so effective, and I mentioned this a few weeks ago when I was talking about how the strength of this team going into the season is their defense, the ability for the Grizzlies to create turnovers. And then through that, get out on the run, is the Grizzlies playing at their most advantageous version of themselves. Creating havoc on defense, getting turnovers, getting out on the run, where the Grizzlies excel compared to the rest of the NBA, that's how they're playing their best version of basketball. But Dylan Brooks, that isn't necessarily his strengths when it comes to defense. Dylan Brooks has admitted it himself. One of the things that probably doesn't help him when it comes to conversations about all NBA defensive teams are being considered to be up there with the best defenders in the league is the fact that Dylan doesn't get a lot of blocks. He doesn't get a lot of steals. He does get deflections. But Dylan's strength, his effectiveness on defense, is being the guy who is going to be a nightmare for the opposing team's best score. And we saw it last year on many different occasions, from March to April to the play-in and playoffs. Dylan Brooks did very well being the first wave of defense from the Grizzlies that kept some of the NBA's best scores ineffective from scoring. Jamal Murray, Bradley Beal, Damian Lillard, and others. Even Steph Curry wasn't as effective as he could have been in that final week of the season where the Grizzlies played the Warriors twice. And it's not just Dylan, though. It's the fact that the Grizzlies were able to throw different waves at these players. Dylan then DeAnthony Melton, then Kyle Anderson. This year, maybe a Jarrett Culver, maybe a Zaire Williams. What's effective for the Grizzlies in being able to slow down the NBA's more effective scores is throwing different bodies at them. That keeps them off balance. The, the elite score on the opposing team cannot get used to just one defensive skill set and make the adjustments to be effective. 
He's got to constantly be adjusting to the different skill sets the Grizzlies throw at him. But that works to the Grizzlies' advantage because Dylan Brooks himself is effective as that first line of defense. And that's something that Dylan Brooks takes pride in. However, I don't feel that it's fair to Dylan for his defense to be the only thing that was really special at times last year. Dylan, as an offensive player, also evolved into a very, very important of the Grizzlies offense. You know, through the first half of the season, Dylan did struggle from shooting. But then when that second half got going, we started to see Dylan become more effective. His three-point percentage went up. Field goal percentage went up. He became smarter at knowing when to make his shots. His shots started falling in more critical times. And when Jaron Jackson Jr. out, it was Dylan Brooks who was consistently the complimentary score to a jaw or to a Jonas or to somebody else. And then, of course, Dylan Brooks just absolutely went off. He was a big reason why we beat San Antonio in the first play-in game. And then he supported jaw in both the, the play-in clinching game, the game that we made the playoffs through in Golden State, and then also stepping up as the number two scoring option for the Grizzlies against Utah. Now, I want to be fair. I want to say with confidence, I don't think that the Dylan Brooks that we saw in the playoffs is going to be the Dylan Brooks that we're going to see this season. I just don't know what that type of success is sustainable. You would love for it to be, and if it is, you're talking about a potential all-star type player. I don't know if it's realistic to expect that. But I do think that it is, it is realistic to expect that Dylan Brooks can be more consistent in being an effective shooter, even if his overall attempts go down. I do think that Dylan Brooks, obviously, at best, is going to be the third scoring option for the Grizzlies this season outside of John Morant and Jaron Jackson Jr. But a big key for the Grizzlies and Dylan is that last year also revealed ways in which they could use him effectively, even if he's not used as much. Dylan Brooks really stepped up his ability as a catch-and-shoot three-point threat from beyond the arc, and he did it especially in the corners. If Dylan Brooks can support Jaw's ability in the lane as well as Jaron's ability outside to be kind of a sniper-type role along with um, Desmond Bain or DeAnthony Melton on the outside, that's how you're starting to get this balance that the Grizzlies are hoping to achieve. Going through their first and second scoring option with Jaw and Jaron, and then having two supporting shooters, Dylan and whether it's Melton or Bain on the outside, plus Steven Adams cleaning up the boards or being an extra source of facilitation. That probably is the version of the offense the Grizzlies are hoping is basically what they can consistently go with. And Dylan Brooks can step into that role like he did in the second half of last year. But it's even more encouraging to know that even if Dylan were to take a step back in terms of his overall usage and he were to step into a role where basically he's more of a complementary perimeter shooter, someone that may be able to improve his own facilitation, the fact that Dylan can step up and be a reliable number two scoring option if he needs to be also stands out. So the one thing that stands out about Dylan last year obviously was his defense, but the other thing that stands out is his effectiveness and resourcefulness as a scorer really, really improved as the season went along. And that is a big, big development because as Dylan takes a step back this year, more than likely in terms of his offensive usage, his ability to be more resourceful and effective when he does get his chance will allow for him to still certainly be relevant and significant for the Grizzlies' offensive success. And that's going to be important. The Grizzlies need three or four reliable scoring options, and you certainly have to feel that after Jaw and Jaron 
that's exactly what Dylan is, is the third scoring option that can step up and be that second option and maybe even a late-in-the-game go-to option like he was late last year at times. There are several different ways Dylan can be effective on offense, and you have much more confidence now that he can do that than you did a year ago. But of course, when it comes to Dylan, the big thing also is his defense. And, you know, I mentioned last year that's what's special about him. While it does not need to certainly overshadow the offensive improvements Dylan made, his defense still remains where he's most effective. And this year, due to some key NBA rules changes, Dylan could be even more effective this year than he was last year. I'll discuss that in just a second. But I think one thing that we can all bet on is that Dylan Brooks is consistently going to give the required effort to be as effective as possible. That's what stands out about his game. Well, if you enjoy betting on things, betting and wagering on sports, BetOnline is the place for you. And The reason why that is is because football is back. As always, BetOnline is your number one spot for all your pro and college football action this season with the new updated site and interface, even more odds, props, and contests. BetOnline continues to be the number one source for everything football. Head to the website or use your mobile device to sign up today and receive your 50% welcome bonus on your first deposit. Don't forget to use your promo code Locked On. BetOnline is the fastest and easiest way to bet on all your favorite sports, from football, basketball, boxing, right to your favorite Vegas casino games. Don't wait to take advantage of all the amazing offers available for the 2021 season. Visit BetOnline.ag today. The other thing I can tell you is this, is that the Grizzlies with Dylan Brooks, DeAnthony Melton, John Morant, Desmond Bain, Jaron Jackson Jr., they want to create options on offense. And they want to create options that they know they can rely on to make their offense better. Well, I've got an idea that you can rely on, and you can rely on several different options of this idea to make your day better and your daily diet better. And that's Built Bar. Built Bar is the protein bar that tastes like a candy bar. Have it in the morning for breakfast and the afternoon as a snack. Whenever you enjoy having a tasty treat during the day, Bill Bar not only tastes great, but it's healthy for you as well. And you can go to Bill.com right now, put in the promo code LOCKED15, that's LOCKED15, to get 15% off your next order from Bill Bar. And the thing about it is this, is once you make Bill Bar a part of your day, I think it's going to be there to stay. You can go to BillBar.com, put in the promo code LOCKED15, and get 15% off your next order from Bill Bar today. So obviously next week, the Grizzlies will be in action on Saturday. Uh, tomorrow night, be a, they'll be in action for their third preseason game, welcoming the Hawks to the FedEx Forum. And then Monday night, it'll be the Detroit Pistons and number one overall pick, Cade Cunningham, will be there as well. We'll wait to see whether Trey Young, whether Cade Cunningham will be available for those games. You hope that they will be. But hopefully the Grizzlies will continue playing against very intriguing teams, seeing Jaw and the young core for the Grizzlies against two of the better young cores in the NBA, or at least one of the better young cores in Atlanta and an up-and-coming core in Detroit. So the Hawks and the Pistons are both on the horizon over the next few days. We'll have all the coverage and all the reaction to both those games, plus continue our player preview series next week, getting into the front court starting Monday with Steven Adams. But to Dylan Brooks, the thing that stands out is this, is that his defense last year got more consistent got better. But one thing that, you know, is a bit polarizing about his defense is how often Dylan Brooks fouls. And he said it himself. He understands that that is a part of, you know, the equation. He understands that he fouls a lot, but that's part of what makes him good. He said it himself. I've got five fouls to work with. I'm going to get my money's worth. That's kind of what makes Dylan be the villain that, you know, he's talked about. Terry Davis from, you know, the Memphis media, he asked Dylan, are you going to embrace that Dylan the villain role? And Dylan said, yes, he wants to be a guy 
that he wants other he wants to be a guy that knows other players don't want to play him. That's part of what makes him so effective, and that's part of what made him effective last year. But the big thing for this year is is that some of the rules changes that have come down the pipe they're going to help players like Dylan Brooks. Now it doesn't mean that Dylan Brooks is going to you know do things that are questionable or do things that he shouldn't be doing on defense. It's just going to allow for him to actually play defense without the fear of offensive players just out of nowhere creating fouls on him where there truly was not a foul to, foul to create. That's something that has stood out, and we've seen that there has already been implementations of these rules that are going to take away some of the chances for offensive players to create fouls. So the physicality of Dylan's defense, the overall effectiveness of him staying with the opposing team's best scores, frustration or whatever it may cause, there's going to be an easier route for Dylan to do that and for him to be as even more effective this year than last year because he's probably going to have more confidence in how he defends and how he's effective on defense without the threat of there being fouls called on him. But the other ripple effect from that, the fact that Dylan hopefully will not run into as many fouls, is that he's going to remain on the court more often. And if he remains on the court more often, good results typically follow when it comes to the Grizzlies. For instance, when Dylan Brooks played 30-plus minutes last year in a game, in the 30 games that he played 30-plus minutes, the Grizzlies were 17 and 13. And in games where Dylan Brooks had four or less fouls, the Grizzlies were 13 and 8. So the longer that Dylan Brooks is on the court, typically the better the Grizzlies defense is going to remain. The Grizzlies defense will remain intact, will remain as effective as possible for longer stretches if Dylan Brooks could play 30 plus minutes a night. And the numbers also suggest that while Dylan Brooks playing 30 minutes a night means the defensive side of the ball will be able to stay as effective as it can be longer since he's on the court. The numbers also suggest that if Dylan Brooks plays more than 30 minutes, his offensive game also improves. For instance, when Dylan Brooks played between 30 and 39 minutes last year, he had an individual offensive rating of 104. When he played less than 30 minutes, he had an individual offensive rating of 96. The individual plus minus for Dylan Brooks when he played 30 to 39 minutes, it averaged to be a plus 5.7 when he played the 30 or less minutes, it, it averaged out to be a positive 1.6. Now, I know that individual offensive ratings, individual plus minus, those numbers themselves to determine an overall value of a player are probably flawed. But when you get that significant of a difference between a player playing less than 30 minutes and there being a significant uptick in his effectiveness if he plays longer than 30 minutes, that goes to show in and of itself the effect of Dylan Brooks, the constant effort that Dylan Brooks puts together when he gets past that 30-minute mark and he has had his impact on other players who are, given, who are getting past that 30-minute mark, Dylan's consistent effort is going to stand out more later in games as players get tired. He's going to wear down offensive players the longer he plays. He's going to have his effort stand out more later in games as teams are tired. That's a big reason why Dylan was so effective when he played 30 or more minutes. In the second half of the season last year, he averaged over 30 minutes a game. He had the second highest plus minus on the team after Jonas Valanciunas, and it was a big reason why Dylan Brooks was so effective in the play-in 
and the playoffs. So Dylan's effort, his style of play, and his improving offensive game, it becomes better the longer he plays for both him and the Grizzlies. And the fact now that these rule changes are hopefully going to result in less fouls being called, that could result in Dylan having a better opportunity to play longer in games. And if he's on the court consistently with Jaron and Jaw and others, that really plays out well for the Grizzlies, not only to keep their defense as effective as possible, but also with Dylan's improved offensive game, their offense as consistent as possible as well. So I don't expect for there to be a big change at all, really, in Dylan Brooks' overall production this year. I think that the Dylan Brooks that we saw in the second half of last year is a perfectly, perfectly great compliment to Jaw and Jaron as the third scoring option and the leader of this Grizzlies defense. And if Dylan can consistently play like he did 30 to 35 minutes a night this year, like he did in the second half last year, you're starting to see one of the better two-way players in the NBA, one of the better two-way wings in the NBA, and hopefully a true 3 and D wing if his shooting from three is able to be sustained. But the other big thing that I think stands out is that if Dylan Brooks is able to play more than 30 minutes a night in more games this year, and you saw that the numbers certainly stand out, that he has his impact, that also is a big way for the Grizzlies to, for the second straight season, have a top-10 defense. A trend or a surprise last year becomes the norm, becomes expected this year. And if that happens, now you're starting Dylan, starting to see Dylan get a resume together to really be in the mix for an all-defensive team selection. And like I've talked about with it when it comes to the awards, Jaw or Jaron really being in the mix for most improved player of the year, Jaw being an all-star, Dylan being in the conversation, in terms of an all-defensive team selection. If he's in that conversation, that is a good sign that this Grizzlies defense overall has become a top-10 defense, one of the more reliable defenses in the league, and once again, an indication that the Grizzlies are exceeding expectations for the third year in a row. So you're not looking for Dylan, really, in my opinion, to take that big leap like you're looking from others, like you're looking from a jaw, like you're looking from a Jaron. You're simply looking for the leap Dylan to for the leap for Dylan this year is to simply stay consistent with what he did last year. I don't think he's going to be able to sustain what he did in the playoffs, though that version of Dylan maybe once, you know, every two weeks, once a week would certainly be a great development. But if Dylan can simply be what he was, be the player that he was, who was constantly a plus 15 plus 20 on a nightly basis when he was on the court in the second half of the season, if he could be that type of defender, be that type of complimentary offensive piece, that is a best-case scenario for both him and the Grizzlies, and it will be a great development, especially in a year where he should be able to be more effective than ever due to rule changes in the league that will allow for him to fully play the defensive style that he wants to against the league's best scores. It's going to be exciting. I'm really looking forward to seeing Dylan Brooks coming off a season in which there's not questions about how effective is he going to be. There's not questions about if, is he ever going to prove? Is he ever going to change? The, unlike last year, when we had hoped that Dylan Brooks would significantly change the type of player that he was after the bubble, this year, a year later, all we're hoping for is for Dylan to stay consistent with the player that he became last year, and that is certainly 
a much more fun and much more positive expectation that you have confidence still in Brooks will be able to do. It's going to be a lot of fun. As always, it's a lot of fun joining you here on the Locked On Grizzlies podcast. It's been a great first week of Locked On Grizzlies on YouTube. Make sure you hit that subscribe button below. Leave comments. Let us know what you think of the show. Create opportunities for others to be able to enjoy the show as well. Again, you can find me at StatsACC on Twitter, the show at Locked On Grizz. It's a pleasure to have been with you. Enjoy the weekend. Enjoy football. Enjoy the Grizzlies facing the Hawks. And we'll be right back with you here on Monday on the Locked On Grizzlies podcast.